0: Afternoon, everyone. Thank you very much for coming. And uh, as uh, Pastor John has said, we've already had a magnificent service this morning, and uh, appreciate the worship and uh, and the feedback response here. And uh, so now it's time for me to go to work. And uh, so. I uh, need to find you a verse here. Let me read this to you. It's Acts 22 and verse 16. And now, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So, I'm gonna teach you something called to tarry or not to tarry. To tarry or not to tarry. I'm not going to give you all of the details, but it amazed me how difficult of a job it was for Jesus to convince his followers that he had resurrected from the dead. There's a place in the book of Acts where it says, he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days. There's another way to translate infallible proofs, and, and it's this phrase, watertight case. He did everything he could to... Let them people know it's really me. Uh, He he, he showed himself to these women that came to the tomb. He showed himself to Peter. He showed himself to the 11 disciples without Thomas. Uh, You've possibly heard the phrase doubting Thomas. I never did like that because he wasn't there when Jesus appeared to the 11. And then he said, if I can't Touched those wounds in his hand and that hole in his side where I saw that spear go, I'm not going to believe. And there's a, when you do credit cards, most credit cards, and probably all of them, they got this little piece of foil. You turn it, you know, blue, green, yellow, red. It's called a hologram. That's the verse and the word in the Greek language when a week later Jesus appears to the disciples and Thomas is there now. And he said, touch me, right, touch me. Handle me and see. He said a spirit doesn't have flesh and bone as you see me have. And the word for spirit there is, is the Greek word. It's where we get the word hologram. In other words, Thomas thought he was like smoke. He was an apparition. He wasn't really there. He could stick his hand right through him. And Jesus said, no, man, I'm not a hologram. Touch me. I'm real. It's really me. I, I did this. And he, Peter, Peter saw the resurrected Christ four times and said, I'm going fishing and he didn't mean you know I'm going down here to Lake St. Clair to catch some walleye and bass I just need a little break what he's saying was I'm going back to the occupation that Jesus called me from over 3 years ago I'm going back to what I used to be and that's you know when the lord appeared to him again and it, <laughs> he just said you you know what You need to stay away from me, Jesus, because uh, I'm, I'm just a carnal man. And again and again, I've found all of these verses. You've got Luke 24 and Mark 16. Mark 16 says it like this. And afterward, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked. Remember that lady, Mary Magdalene? When she saw Jesus, she didn't recognize him. It says... She thought he was the gardener. And there's an interesting verse that's always intrigued me. It's in the book of Isaiah. It said, referring to the cross in Calvary, it said his visage would be marred. His face would be changed because of the pain and the suffering that he went through. I, I see that because Mary Magdalene knew him very well, but she didn't recognize him there. And it's the same thing with these two guys Mark 16 just gives you one verse, but Luke 24 goes into a lot of detail about these two guys who are walking from Jerusalem back to Emmaus. You have to understand, they thought they got in on the ground floor of a government revolution. That Jesus was gonna throw out all the Romans and they were gonna get the the nice cushy government jobs. Jesus was gonna set up his kingdom there. Well when he died all of their dreams are just shattered and these two guys are walking from Jerusalem to a place called Emmaus which is about 8 miles and Luke said the duet becomes a trio and it's Jesus and they don't recognize him even though they've been with him before they don't recognize him and he said why are you so why are you so despondent why why are you so depressed and they asked him a great question where have you been for the last 3 days <laughs> and then it says this, and beginning at Moses and the Psalms and the prophets. In other words, he went through the whole Old Testament and showed them every place. Wouldn't that be a wonderful recording to have of Jesus showing every verse in the Old Testament? He said, you know, that's me right there. That when Abraham went up there and that ram was caught in the bush, that was me. When 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 Job said, "There's hope of a tree if it be cut down, and tender root wrecks old in the earth. Yet it's going to bud. But again, that that that's me. That thing with Isaiah said, you know, he was wounded for our, you know, transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. Mm-hmm. That's me. Just to go through that. And they get there and and they ask him, why don't you stay and have dinner with us? And even though they didn't remember Mary Magdalene, she didn't recognize his face. But when he said, Mary. She recognizes his voice. It's the same way with these guys. They don't recognize what he looks like. But when he begins to pray, they've heard somebody pray like that before. And they know it's him. And all of a sudden it says, he's gone. And there's like these two rocking pieces of crust of bread on the plate. He's just gone. And they're going, didn't our heart burn in this when we were here? And again and again. And to me... It dovetails with this verse. Listen to this verse. This is Acts 12 and verse 15. And they said unto her, thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. And they said, it's his angel. It's his angel. In order for you to understand this, you got to read verse five. Here's Acts 12 and five. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church for him. Peter's in prison. The Bible talks about in the inner prison. And I'll tell you how afraid he was. He went to sleep. <laughs> and as he's sleeping in prison, an angel literally had to kick him and say, we're getting out of here, get up. And the angel led him Past guards, open doors. I mean, wow, that had to have been cool to experience that. And he gets outside and it's night. So he goes, whenever the disciples were delivered from jail or prison, they always went to where the people were. And it's the same thing here. It's night. So Peter, I assume it was his mother-in-law's house. I think that's where they're praying for him. Boy, they're really praying. All of a sudden, there's a knock on the door, and this Roman servant girl who's at the prayer meeting, whose name is Rhoda, opens up the door. It's her pastor. She runs back in and says, Pastor's on the porch. And they go, Come and pray with us, child. Come and pray with us. And she said, No, no, you don't understand. Pastor Peter's on the porch. And they said, No, no, it can't be. That's his his angel. That's not him. That's a spirit. Get down here. We got to pray that our pastor would get delivered from prison. The delivered pastor's on the porch. You need to come down. Literally, prayer was made without ceasing. They wouldn't quit praying even though the answer's on the porch. Ladies and gentlemen, there are times when you need to quit praying. You understand that? And and this, this fascinates me because when I was a little boy, and this scripture was a big deal in church. This is Luke 24 and verse 49. And behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're filled with power from on high um when I was a kid it was a big deal to tarry which means you came to the altar and you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and you prayed, and you prayed. um if you were going to get the Holy Ghost man you had to you had to do penance uh, you had to jump through hoops you, you 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 had to pay your dues to get the Holy I was in a camp meeting, I was very young, but there was a very amazing missionary. his name was Billy Cole. And I was there when he came from Thailand and the service wasn't going real well. And he said, I want everybody that's been praying for the baptism of the Holy Ghost for over a year to come up here. There were 24 people That came up there. One man had been tarrying for over 20 years to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Billy called for 24 chairs and he said, I want you all to sit down. We're going to, Billy used to say, apostolic. We're going to do this apostolic. The Bible says they were filled with the Spirit where they were sitting. He said, sit down. Well, when he did that, you could feel the spirit of them them know it all's in the room. That's wrong. That's wrong. You gotta be praying, you gotta be kneeling, you gotta be boohooing, sobbing, all that. So Billy gave this this little lesson about a a word in Thai. Cow was the word. And he said, Thai was one of the most difficult languages in the world. As you probably know, English is right up there with like Mandarin Chinese, but Mandarin Chinese and English Thai, these are very difficult languages to learn. And he talked about how that the word cow in Thai can mean eight different things. He said there's what is known as rising inflection, cow. He said there's falling inflection, cow. He said there's abrupt inflection, cow. And then there's where they drag it out, cow. I'll never forget this little kid was in there and he went, holy cow, <laughs> holy cow. That made Billy laugh. And he said that one word in Thai can mean different things in English, just the way you pray. And what he was trying to say, show them was, you don't have to speak in tongues for two hours to have the real Holy Ghost. You, you could say just a couple phrases and that's enough well, when he said that, oh man, people got really upset about that. And I'll never forget, he went down the row and laid his hands on those people and all them people spoke with tongues. And I was like, this is really cool, you know? Wow, what a firestorm he created when people like, that's not the real Holy Ghost. You, you, you can't get the Holy Ghost like that. We... we we don't know how them people are living, you know? We've had people get the Holy Ghost in this church that were shacking up, not even married. That's, isn't that horrible? There's no way God could give somebody who's shacking up the Holy Ghost. Well, let me explain to you why that's wrong. You might have gotten it. If not, you're probably going to get it. You're gonna get a Christmas card in the next couple of days with the, the, the manger scene. Here's Jesus, little baby Jesus, in, in perfect white stuff. The hay is gold and shining. Mary's here, dude, she's all white, beautiful. Joe's over here, he looks like he stepped out of Gentleman's Quarterly Magazine. You got one Jersey cow, maybe a sheep, You got the star shining up there. Got some angels, got some shepherds. Got to have them wise men with that stuff. Man, it's a beautiful Hallmark postcard. Let me tell you what the Bible says. Mary and Joseph lived in Nazareth, but they had to go back to Bethlehem because that's where they were born. They went back there to pay their taxes. When they got there, all of the motels are full. They ended up staying in basically what was the garage of one of those motels. Now, let me tell you about the difference between what they used for transportation back then and transportation that we use today. When I parked my car in the parking lot this morning, come to church, I turned the engine off. That engine's off right now. It won't start again. Until this service is over and I take mother and Ashley and Renee out to dinner. Well, back then, you didn't shut the engine off. The engine kept on. And just as my car has exhaust, their means of transportation had exhaust as well. The exhaust on my truck stops when I turn it off. They couldn't turn it off. You ever heard of the phrase, mucking out the stall? I'll tell you what that means. They get these animals in these barns, and they're dropping all this exhaust. Liquid, solid, gas, the whole deal. Well, what they do is, every so many days, they just throw fresh hay on top of all that manure. Manure. And so all winter, those animals are just stomping and mixing that manure with all that hay. So that by the time you get in the spring, they might be standing two feet above where they were in October. And you've got to use a pitchfork. A shovel won't work. You have to use a pitchfork and shove it into that congealed goo. And you've got to muck out and take all that out of the barn. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm telling you that where Jesus was born was full of manure. It was full of mildew, spider webs, guano from the bats. It stunk, but he was still born there. Did you get the Bible lesson? The Bible lesson is, the miracle is that Jesus is willing to come into our messed up lives. That's the miracle. That's the miracle. Now, they went back, they went back, you know, to Nazareth after he was born. But Joseph is a carpenter. I'm telling you, if they would have stayed there for three weeks, Mary would have been hanging curtains and Joe would have been building cabinets. Listen to what it says in the book of Peter. Add to your faith virtue and the virtue knowledge and the knowledge temperance and the temperance godliness, patience, brotherly kindness. Add to your faith. Listen, God will honor faith wherever he finds it at. I don't care if you're living in sin. I don't care if you're shacking up. I don't care if you got a nose candy problem. I don't care if you got an alcohol problem. I'm telling you, God honors faith. Without faith, you can't please God. Okay? So let me give you a little tutorial. Do you believe there's a God? Question number one. Do you believe His saving name is Jesus Christ? And do you believe He'll answer you if you call on Him? The Bible said they that come to Him must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Not half hearted, but Really, going after it. Half-hearted searching is frustration. In the day that you seek him with your whole heart, that's when it said, he'll be found of you. Okay? And so, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that God will fill you with his spirit and he'll wash away your sins regardless of what's going on in your life. However, you need to add, the first thing you need to add to that act of faith is virtue, which means cleaned up. Bible says, flee sin. Don't just casually walk away from it, run, okay? And so I believe if Mary and Joseph would have stayed in the garage, they'd have been cleaning that dude up because I know when the Lord comes into our lives, immediately people start getting cleaned up. That's just what happens, It didn't say I came to save you in your sin. I came to save you from your sin. And and, and, and this is interesting to me because this is Jesus talking before he left. I want you to go to Jerusalem and tarry. The word tarry just means wait. Now, let me show you something that, that I believe is very powerful in the scripture. Here's John 7. 37, 38, and 39. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. For he that believeth on me, as the pastor has said. No, he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. Watch, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because... Jesus wasn't glorified yet. There are seven, just like we have Fourth of July and Thanksgiving and Christmas, the Jews had seven high holy days in their year. You might recognize some of these names Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost, trumpets, atonement, tabernacles. There were seven. The religious year started in April and it ended in September. When it says, in the last day, the great day of the feast, it's September, it's the Feast of Tabernacles. Now there's synagogues all over the country, but there's only one temple. They come to that temple for those for those feast days.
1: Mm.
0: They're not coming back until April, October, November, December, January, February, March. They're not coming back for six more months. The priest would take a silver pitcher He would walk to the pool of Siloam. He would dip that pitcher in that water, come to the outer court of that temple, pour it on the floor, and it was saying, Lord, we pour ourselves out before you. You're dismissed. Go home. They're leaving church for the last time of the year. They're not coming back for six more months. As they're leaving, Jesus is outside. And this is what he said. So, how'd mass go? How was church today? Is anybody here still thirsty? Did it scratch where you itch? Did that church service accomplish? Did it minister to your needs? No? Come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. But it said he's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Watch. For the Spirit was not yet given. Why? Because Jesus wasn't glorified yet. Okay? Now take that little bit of information and think about this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all end with the same story. He dies. He's buried. He resurrects. He teaches them for 40 days, and then he leaves. When you read the book of Revelation, John saw the glorified Christ. The glorified Christ can't happen until after he left. Since Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all end with the story of his leaving, which is known as the ascension, it's a no-brainer. You can't find out about how to be filled with the Holy Ghost in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because nobody was filled with the Holy Spirit in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It couldn't happen until he left. So just keep reading and go to the very next book, which is the book of Acts. Acts is the diary of the New Testament church. And when you read Acts 1 and 2, it's right there. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one a place, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Watch, it filled all the house where they were sitting and they were all filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's the first time Holy Spirit is poured out and manifested among people. Now this is a big deal because I, I was taught all my life that they got the Holy Ghost in the upper room, the upper room. The upper room is a place where they had the last supper. It's a really cool story because Jesus told one of his disciples, now go downtown and you're gonna see a woman with a water pot on her head. Follow that woman and whatever house she goes into, go to that house and ask if we can use the room to have our last supper. Well, here's what you got to understand. All the women had pots on their head back then. There wasn't just one woman with a pot. It's trying to teach us something. There's a lot of places where God can use you. And there's a lot of places. You just got to be willing to make the effort to follow somebody. And the upper room is where they ate the last supper. But it says in the book of Acts 2 and verse 2, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. I found something amazing in study. The word house in Acts 2 and 2 is the same word used again and again and again in the Bible for house of God. And then I started studying Herod's temple. There's, I believe it's in the book of John. Jesus said, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. And they said, we've been working on this church for 46 years. You think you're gonna tear it down like Tinker toys and put it back together in three days? And it said, they didn't understand he was talking about the temple of his body. But what interests me, and history talks about, Herod was a great builder. He renovated the temple and really, really enlarged it. On the screen is going to be the layout of Herod's temple, that little red thing in the middle, that's the temple proper, but look at all this other stuff that's around there. What I want you to do is go in the middle and go to the east, go to the right, and you'll go through the women's court and the east gate. Look at that last thing out there all the way, like at three o'clock on the map, see that thing? Solomon's porch. Solomon's porch is a big deal in the Bible because in John chapter 10, John said, this is where Jesus taught and this is where he interacted with people. In fact, if I've never been to Jerusalem, I'll go one day maybe, but they still have what's known as the old city. That was very similar to the layout during the time of Jesus. The streets are very narrow. You can't drive a car. One car, down old Jerusalem streets. It's too narrow. There's only now. Think of it. You're going to find a place where at least three thousand one hundred and twenty people can get together at the same time. You're not going to do it in an upper room, and you're not going to do. There's only one place that you can find biblically where three thousand people could gather. And it's that thing on the right called Solomon's porch. Holy Ghost is poured out. Acts 2. Watch how Acts, the next chapter, begins. Peter and John, where are they going? They're not going to the upper room to pray. They're going to the temple to pray. Okay? It's obvious Luke was with them. Luke, being the kind of guy he was, never mentions himself. But Luke wrote the book of Acts. And you can see how a doctor viewed it, because this guy is begging at the door, the gate, to get in to the temple complex. And he said, you know, cigar box with pencils, pack, American flag, dog, disabled vet, whatever. Would you give me some money, sir? And Peter said, I don't have any money, but i tell you what I got. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. Watch how Luke describes it. And immediately his feet and ankle bones receive strength. And it doesn't say he stood up. It said he, leaping up, stood. That doctor looked at those atrophied, twisted, bent bones and went, this guy's in real trouble. And when Peter prayed, it's like snap, crackle, pop this dude jumps up watch watch what it says and as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's greatly wondering now it says in the next chapter chapter 4 and verse 22 he'd been lame for over 40 years I don't think he begged that whole time, obviously, but it's obvious he'd been in front of the temple for many years, and he's a fixture there. And when this guy is healed, people just start running into this place called Solomon's Porch. They all knew him. Hey, you know that guy we've been walking by for years and putting quarters in the box? He can walk, and he's not just walking, He's bouncing like a pogo stick. And they come down there and Peter says, don't look on us as though some great thing is in us. He said, this is about the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And he begins to teach them about why this guy was healed and how it happened. Look at the next chapter. Here's chapter five and verse 12. And by the hands of the apostles, were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. I'm convinced that the headquarters of the New Testament church was not the upper room. I'm convinced it's this outer paved veranda known as Solomon's porch. In fact, when they excavated it, around the perimeter of what was Solomon's porch, they found these These basic, they didn't know what they were. They're called mikvahs. And they realized they were baptismal fonts, 12 of them, which makes perfect sense. When you read the book of Acts chapter two, then they, that gladly received the word were baptized. And that same day they were added 3000 souls. They baptized them in the ceremonial washing fonts that people use for cleansing before they went into the temple. The baptistries are right there. Now, this is fascinating to me because when you get to the end of the book of Luke, this this is what it says in in the last, this this is Luke chapter 24. And he led them out as far as Bethany and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass that while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, watch. And they were continually, not in the upper room, they were continually in the temple Praising and blessing God. Amen. In the temple. Praising and blessing God before the Holy Ghost was poured out. Uh, watch this verse. This is Acts 22 and verse 16. And why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. This is Paul giving the details of his conversion that happened in Acts chapter nine. In Acts 22, Paul is in front of a, in front of a king by the name of Agrippa. I, I, I found this years ago, it always fascinated there's, me. There's, there's, there's four of these guys, these Herods in the Bible. There's Herod the Great, there's Herod Antipas, there's Herod Agrippa the First, there's Herod Agrippa the second. Herod Antipas is the guy that cut off the head of John the Baptist. Herod the Great could have let Jesus go but because of political pressure he wouldn't do it. Herod Agrippa the First is the guy that killed John's brother James and beheaded him with the sword. Herod Agrippa II, is this guy now that Paul is witnessing. Think of these four hillbillies. They have access to John the Baptist, Jesus, James and John, which were known as the Sons of Thunder, and now the greatest missionary the world's ever known. And the best response you can get out of any of them is this guy here who said, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian. But Paul is giving his testimony, and he's talking, if you go back to Acts 9, He's riding on the horse, a light brighter than anything he's ever, knocks him on his gluteus maximus or minimus, whatever the case may be. And he said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus. You're persecuting me. And he said, you're kicking against the pricks. What was that? If you've ever, if you've ever know anything about a car, right behind the car is something known as a firewall. If the engine catches on fire, it separates you in the front seat from the fire in the engine. It's a firewall. Well, in this time, they had a firewall. It was was the front of their wagon, front of their chariot, and they used these sharp sticks and they stuck it in in that that divider between where they were sitting because you're dealing with oxen. You're dealing with stubborn animals. Every now, you, you ever see anybody get kicked by a horse? It's violent. It's violent. And what they would do is if they had an animal that that wasn't cooperating, they'd put these sharp sticks. And when that thing would kick, it would hit them sharp sticks. I don't think I'm going to do that again. And that's what he's saying, Pete, or Paul, Paul, he said, hard to kick against the goads, hard to kick against the pricks. At the same time, the Lord's dealing with this old man named Ananias. And he said, Ananias, I want you to go down and get this guy by the name of Saul of Tarsus. And Ananias is terrified. He said, you mean the guy that's killing people in the church? It's a fascinating verse because the Lord said, he's praying now. This is not the guy you heard about. He's praying now. Ananias goes and begins to minister to Saul. He's blind. The light, whatever, he can't see and Ananias prays for him and the Bible said it was like scales that fell off his eyes and he could see. And what I've read to you in verse 16 is what Paul said that old man told him right after God healed his eyes. He said, why are you tarrying? Let's get baptized. You want me to translate that for you? What are you waiting for? God just knocked you off your horse. God just healed your blinded eyes. Get in the baptistry, boy. Why tarry us now? Now think of the, 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 the dichotomy. Think of, think of, think of the, the extremes here. Because in one verse, Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and tarry. But now in this verse, I said, tarrying days are over. Why? Because when Jesus told them to go to Jerusalem and wait or tarry, they couldn't be filled with the Holy Spirit yet. He had to leave. The day of Pentecost had to come. When the day of Pentecost came, so did the manifestation of the Spirit of God. My, my Bible lesson is, is, is really this simple. I, I, I look at how difficult it was for Jesus to, to convince his believers, believers, they didn't believe nothing. He, How difficult it was for Jesus to convince these believers, I'm I'm alive. I mean, here's Pete on the porch, man, knocking on the door. Hey, can I come in? Hey, pastor's on the porch. No, he's not, get in here and pray. You're having a vision, sweetheart. That's, a, that's, that's an angel. That's not the real preacher. Get down here and pray. It's the same thing. My, my, my. Listen to this verse. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in, sup with him and he with me. Now, if you were in Bible study Wednesday, you know for the next couple weeks, we're gonna spend time in Revelation chapter three. In Revelation chapter three, there are what are known as the seven churches of Revelation. And what you have to understand, as I tried to show you Wednesday, this is the revelation of Jesus, okay? For years in Pentecost, and I'm gonna dispel a myth here. For years in Pentecost, we had two, maybe three guys. These are the prophecy guys. Okay, they know what all them eyes are. They know what all them horns are. They they understand that that metal man and Daniel, blah blah. We're gonna Irvin Baxter. He died recently. What are we gonna do now? Irvin's gone. I'll tell you a funny story about Irvin. I met him when I was a young preacher before I was married, and he asked me, "What do you believe God's going to do with your ministry, Brother Hoffman?" And I said, "I, I don't know." And he said. I'm gonna be on television one day and I'm gonna teach prophecy. And I was young and dumb. And I said, Irvin, you got a face for radio. (laughs) He wasn't a handsome man. Fortunately, Irvin did have a sense of humor. And he laughed at me, but guess what? Old Irvin proved me wrong. Irvin ended up being on television all over the world, teaching prophecy. I, I have a friend that didn't didn't trust him and said, "Okay, Irby, what's going to happen next?" And Brother Baxter looked at me and said, "Well, as near as I can tell, the next thing that's going to happen is the Berlin Wall is going to fall very soon." And two weeks later, it came down, and I went, "Whoa!" <laughs> we we we've got these. Handful of people, and they're the prophecy people, and we're just a bunch of dumb schmucks, and and we just, you know, let's leave all that up to the prophecy guys. Let me let me let me let me tell you what the Bible said. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. It's not meant to scare you, slap to death. It's meant for you to see the majesty and how great. This God is that you're serving. Yeah. Yeah. And for years, people have used prophecy to scare people. It's not meant to scare you. It's meant to build your faith. Yeah. 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 And so when you study the seven churches of Revelation, these are seven real churches that were in Asia Minor in a place about the size of Indiana. They were real churches. But when you study it, it's obvious Jesus was not just talking about these seven churches that existed 2,000 years ago. These seven churches are seven ages or seven phases that the church would go through, beginning with the Book of Acts church, which is the Ephesian church, and goes through all seven till you come to today, which is known as the Laodicean church. And this is Revelation 3 and 20. I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. Remember the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6? Jesus said, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. That was Jesus teaching his followers. You need to knock and I'll open the door. But now, This is Jesus knocking on the door of his own church, trying to get in. Why? Because read it, under the church in Ephesus, under the church in Pergamos, under the church in Sardis, under the church in Thyatira. But when you get to the last church, which is us, under the church of the Laodiceans, it didn't say to the church in Laodicea, it says the church of the Laodiceans. There's an old Latin phrase, vox populi, vox dia. Dia is nothing more than a Latin approach to deity or God. Populi is politician, populist, people. The literal translation of vox populi, vox dia is the voice of the people has become the voice of God. We have mega churches in America right now. You know how they started? They started. They did polls in the community, handed out questionnaires. What would you like to see happen when you come to church? Oh, I, I want to see some plays, man. I, I, I like, I, you know, I, I like some, I like some rock and roll music. I, I, I you know, and it, it, and what happens is, we have churches where God's not in charge of the church. The people have become the voice of God. And now what you're dealing with is I'm standing at the door of what is supposed to be my church trying to get in. That's why you need to study the Bible because the Bible says study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. If you can rightly divide it you can wrongly divide it. That's why you need to get in that word. Why? Why was, Je- why was the ministry of Jesus so powerful? Watch, Acts 2. There's more in Acts 2 than just verse 38. This is Acts 2 and verse 22. Jesus, a man approved of God by miracles, signs, and wonders. You know why you ought to study that book because that study of that book is the key to his approval on your life. And when you get the approval of God in your life, you can see miracles, signs, and wonders. But it's not going to happen without God's approval, which is not going to happen unless we labor in the word and study that word and you'll know the truth. And the truth will make you free. It, it, it's, it, this, this fascinates me, see, be, be, because... He's knocking at the door, just like Pete. And we're just like that church. We're praying,
1: oh, God, help us. Oh, God, we need you to come and help us.
0: Here's here's my Bible lesson for you today. It's time to quit tarrying. To tarry or not to tarry? The reason he told tarry was before the Holy Ghost was poured out. Now that the Holy Ghost has been poured out, Anna and I said, you don't need to tarry now. Let's get baptized. Let's get filled with the Holy Spirit. I I, I, I just, if, it, 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 what's it going to take? There are people in this room right now, you know as well as I do, God supernaturally spared your life. You know he did. You ought to be dead right now. You ought to to be in Whitechapel. I was on Flight 91 years ago. I I was the last person off of Flight 91 in Miami. Before I got out of the airport, the plane took off and crashed and everybody died. I was the last guy on that plane. I I had people die when I was scuba diving in Cozumel. Oh, that's my story. What's your story? When, when, when was it when you could have gotten in that car and the others did and, and they died? When, when, when you could have been at that party and had sniffed or did whatever that, you, 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 you understand what I'm talking? How many times, I, when, I, when I first began pastor the church, I, I, we had church on 10 o'clock Sunday morning, seven o'clock Sunday night, and I was tired and the Sunday service was over and I went back to the office to close up And the phone rings, Pastor Hoffman. And it was a lady from Lapeer. And she said, my brother had a heart attack. He's in Beaumont. He's going to die tonight. Would you go pray for him? Yeah, sure. Give me his name. I'll go. She said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got to tell you something. He hates your church. I said, what? I've only been here for a couple weeks. She said, no, no, no. The, The man before you used to have a tent and had a tent revival every summer for a couple weeks on the grass in front of the church. And there's a sound ordinance in Madison Heights, nine o'clock, one minute after nine, every night, my brother whose house lives, whose house is right beside of the church, he called the cops on the church every night when it was one minute after nine. He hates the church. Would you still go? Yeah. So I go to Beaumont, And I go in there and this guy looks like a science experiment. He's got all pipes and monitors and and there's this nurse there and she was ugly. And I'm not talking about ugly physically. She had an ugly spirit. I'm telling you the hardest place to operate in faith is a hospital because it's totally sold out to sense knowledge. And I walk in there and you can feel this woman. What do you think is going to happen when you put your stupid hand on his head? And I said, ma'am, would you please step out for a moment? And she said, why? I said, because you don't believe what I believe and you're raining on my parade. I can't have faith in this room. You're, 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 you're like a blast of snow right here, right now. It's just, I, and people say, oh, that was so crude. Jesus did that at Jairus' house. Jairus' daughter was dead and he told them all, you need even his disciples, you need to get out of here because you don't, you don't have any faith for what I'm fixing to do. And I've locked the door and, 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 and I'm looking at this guy and I said, I'm Pastor Huffman. Do you know who I am? I said, I pastor the Apostolic Church right beside of your house. Now do you know who I am? I said, they told me you're gonna die tonight. You're, you're not gonna see the sun come up. Do you understand that? You're dying. I said, I'm gonna pray for you, and I believe the Lord's gonna heal you. And when He heals you and raises you up, I want a commitment from you right now that when you get out of here, you'll serve Him faithfully for the rest of your life. So I started praying. Now I got an answer to God for this, so I'm not blowing smoke at you. All I know is all these little sirens go off, monitors to they're banging on the door. I open up the door. You got to step out now. This guy's gonna have a heart attack. Okay, so I leave. His daughter, his sister calls me two days later. They let my brother out of the hospital today. Whoa, 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 whoa. I've never seen him again. 34 years ago, God miraculously raised that guy out of Beaumont. I've never seen him again. We have people that visit this church occasionally. God has done Amazing things in their life. They cheated the odds again and again. They're not here today. Why? The the Bible said it's not the miracles which I have done that's going to judge you, it's the word which you have heard. And that's the deal. They never heard the word, they never made the connection. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm 65. I don't have time to play games with you anymore, okay? What's it gonna take? What's God going to have to do to wake you up and realize, I I have been spared for a purpose. I have been spared for a reason. I am sitting here today sucking in his air. Amen. I've got his sanity in my mind.
1: I've got his health in my body. What was that all? The Bible said, your steps are ordered. Your steps are ordered. Your times are in his hand. The puppet master of the universe has touched you and
0: reached out to you and done amazing things. What's your point, Brother Hoffman? For God's sake, quit butchering time until there's none left. Quit being the same person you've always been. Pray a prayer with me that said, I'm not who I wanna be, but thank God I'm not who I used to be. I'm gaining ground, I'm getting stronger.
1: Where's your prayer life? Is it better than it was? Are you in the word? Do you come to church? When's the last time you prayed an intercessory prayer? Come on! Why are you tearing now?
0: Watch, 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 watch this, watch this verse. It, it's He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon Him. Watch, and with His stripes we are present tense. We are healed. Okay. This is 700 years before Jesus. Now, watch what Peter wrote. Who his own self bare our sins in his body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live under righteousness. Watch by whose stripes you were healed. Did you get the revelation? Did you get it? Isaiah should have spoke in future tense. When he has stripes, you will be healed. That's not what he said. He spoke in the present tense. You are healed. Peter should have been the complete opposite. Isaiah should have looked forward. Peter should have looked backwards. But that's not what happened. Isaiah said, by whose stripes are healed and Peter said by whose stripes we were healed do you get it what I'm saying to you if you believe in the present it will be in your past if you believe now it'll be in your yesterday not your tomorrow I'll prove it to you now faith Is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Let's say while we're in church today, there's a snow squall comes, snow six inches. You walk out of here and you go, oh, look, it's gonna snow. You walk through the woods and you find a circle of stones and some charred black embers and you go, oh, look, here's evidence somebody's gonna build a fire hunting season you pick up some expended brass cartridge and you go oh look here's evidence somebody's going to shoot a gun here no man the snows the evidence that it already snowed the black sticks are evidence there already was a fire the empty expended cartridges evidence the gun already went off listen to what it says your faith is evidence Not that something's going to happen, but that something already has happened. That when you do it now, it's as if it happened in your past. Watch. We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. It's just grass to most people right now but I can see it. It's already there. I see that temple on that grass. Right now, I'm looking at something that most people can't see, but it's done. It's done. Watch what it says. And some, listen to this verse. I'm closing. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Look at that word pulling, which means one of two things. Either the people that are in there don't want to get out or what they're in has such a power it's hanging on to them. But either way, Jude said the church can pluck somebody right out of the fire. Please give me one verse where Saul of Tarsus ever wanted to convert and ever wanted to change. It's not there. You and I have the ability in prayer to burglarize somebody's spirit and believe in faith now that creates past as far as God's concerned. It's already done. Say, I don't see nothing. I do. I'm looking at something that can't be seen, but I'm looking at it right now. I can see that. Do you understand what I'm talking about here right now? This is, ladies and gentlemen, this is amazing because you're going to get this card. You know, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Pete got the. You know Pete. Pete comes with the leather jacket every Sunday. Got the earrings. Got the long hair. Hasn't missed for months. sits down there and cries every Sunday. Once wanted, wanted, wanted the Holy Ghost. It's a gift. Don't you understand? Gifts are given. You missed it. Watch. So many people miss the message right now. Let's talk about the Christ child that was born. No, 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 no. It's not about the child that's born. It's about what he's going to give. Holy Ghost is a gift. He already gave it. It's here. It's yours. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Other translation says the Spirit was there to help them. It was there to assist them. Oh, God, would you please heal these people? I already did. My stripes took care of that. So why do we keep boo and sobbing? Healing's on the front porch right now going. Oh, God, we need you to heal somebody. It's, it's there. Oh, God, we need somebody to be filled with the Holy Ghost. It's already here. Oh, I'm 65. Midlife crisis, they say. I don't know if it's midlife because I'm not going to be 130. <laughs> so this ain't the middle of my life. So if I'm in a midlife crisis, you know what I need, Foster? I need a Harley Davidson and a wallet with a chain on it. That's what I really need. And and I need a a red sports car, convertible. Top goes down, price goes up. I need a convertible. And is Renee in here? Oh, she's good. She's out there. I need a blonde 20-year-old girlfriend. Okay, that's what I need because I'm in a midlife crisis. Let me explain something to you. I don't want a Harley Davidson, because I used to have motorcycles, and I learned one immutable fact about motorcycles. If you ride them, you're going to wreck them. And right now, I can't afford to be in a motorcycle accident. I remember a lady used to go to this church. Her husband got a motorcycle, and she said, when you wreck it, you make sure you die, because I'm not taking care of you as a vegetable for the rest of your life. You got it? You wreck it, die. Renee said, yep, sounds about right. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't want a Harley Davidson. Just give me a truck. I don't need a red convertible, and God knows I don't need a 20-year-old blonde girlfriend. I'll tell you what I want. I want a harvest. I've been here 34 years, and I've seen that thing full of people. For over 30 years, I saw that. People thought I was out of my mind, but here we are, right on the verge of that thing. It will be a reality. You'll live to see this happen. You understand what I'm talking about? I want to know what else is there that we keep putting off and putting off and putting off and playing hide and seek with Jesus. Say, oh God, would you please give me this? I already gave it to you. How about opening up the door and let me come in? All right? Revival's here, ladies and gentlemen. Harvest. Jesus said, quit saying it's four months till the harvest. Harvest, it's right, right now. Right now, okay? Oh God, we need—we we had people get the Holy Ghost in the first service. We had people get the Holy Ghost in this service. We'll probably have people get the Holy Ghost in just a couple minutes. Don't you understand that? That's what I, I was speaking at a church last night downtown Detroit, brother and sister Jenta. They—they started with nothing, and I did their leadership dinner last night. You, you should have been with me. You talk about fun. Man, it it was everything from soup to nuts there, but those people were so excited, and God has done such amazing things, and it was all about, we're just going to reach people, and as they reach people, God did miracles. How how is he going to do miracles if there's nobody here that needs one? I don't want to just preach to the choir. Give me some wood to chop on. Give me some sinners. I want to walk in here and smell marijuana. I want to walk in here and smell Bud Light. I want tattoos, man. I want want wallets with chains on it. I want people that are shacked up. I want people that got drug problems and alcohol problems. That's what I'm looking for. Dear Jesus, we've got to have something here that God, God could do something amazing. I don't want to, I've been preaching to some of you for years. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come with me and help me understand. Stand with me right now. In Jesus' name. What are we tearing for? Why don't what we, oh, we, I believe in intercessory prayer, okay? I know it says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I get all that. But ladies and gentlemen, I just think there are great things in that Bible that have already been fulfilled. They've already been given. Let's take an advantage of them. Let's exploit the moment right now. Come with me around the altar. I won't, I won't offend you, I won't embarrass you, I promise. Just, if you can, if you can't walk, I get it. But if you can walk, get out of your pew, if for no other reason than to make a, a statement to yourself and to your creator, I'm, I'm moving forward today. I'm going forward today. I'm not gonna stay where I have been. In Jesus' name. It's time to take census of our spirit. It's time to take a long, hard look at, at, at ourselves where are you that was the first question in the Bible where are you do you think God is so stupid that he didn't know what rock or what stump Adam and Eve were hiding behind that's not what he was saying what he was saying was you and I were talking yesterday now you, wanna, you don't want to talk to me yesterday you were looking for me but today you're playing hide and seek with me where are you and that's the that's the cry of the Holy Ghost right now. I had a wonderful friend years ago, and she wrote this song. My house is full, but my fields are empty. Who's going to go? And Seems my children just all want to sit around the table, but nobody wants to work in the field. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be your hands God's going to anoint. It's going to be your mouth. God's going to, no, it's going to be your mind. It's going to you're the vessel. You're the vessel. You say, "Oh that, God, oh yeah, yeah." It's going to be your house where people get the Holy Ghost in your living room. You're going to teach Bible study. You're going to be the means. You're going to be the vessel. You're going to be the conduit that the Lord's going to flow through. Don't you understand? That's what this. is. Don't you realize? Look, look at how much Satan has fought you. Did you get to? Me- you, you represent such amazing potential. You have the power to be an incredible weapon in the hands of the Lord. And there's an enemy that wants to do everything to stop you from doing that. But if you don't just hear me, feel me right now. We need to get some. I know we've already prayed. and I get it. And it's kind of anticlimactic. But there just might be somebody here right now that's still sick. And I'm going to believe God. Jesus prayed for somebody twice. So, all right. Amen. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's pray right now. Lord Jesus, Father, hear my my prayer. Oh God, you know, and I know how many times you spared me. And I'm sure there are times I don't know when you were looking out for me and you protected me. Stuff that I'm not even aware of that you kept me from, knowing that this day was on my agenda and on yours. Father, I make a covenant with you around this order right now. I'm going to please you with my life. I've wasted a lot of time. I've done some really stupid stuff. I've waded through a plenty, lots of sewers. I've said some terrible stuff. I've thought some horrible stuff. I've done some, you know all that. I'm not telling anything you don't know. But I am calling on you right now,
1: Lord, because I'm asking you please to hear my prayer of contrition, to hear my prayer of repentance, Hear my prayer, I'm calling out to you, Lord, right now. I believe you have already healed. I believe you've already poured
0: out your spirit. I believe repentance and remission are available in this room here right now. Dear God, please take the blocks and the barriers and the hurdles out of my spirit so I can see and hear what you're trying to say to the church. Oh, God, what a sham and a shame. For you to be on the outside of your church trying to get in. Not here. We open up the doors of our heart. We open up the doors of our life. Oh, Jesus. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Come into my thought. Come into my vocabulary.
1: Come into my lifestyle. Come into my home. Come into my family. Oh, Lord. Come into my relationship. There's no holds barred here. There are no places you can not go. Go anywhere you want, Lord. Search through any closet of my mind. Go in my dark basement. Go in the attic of my life, God. Jesus, old stuff that I've been hanging on to for way too long. It's time to clean out my attic. It's time, God, to clean out the basement. It's time to get rid of thoughts and concepts and ideas that aren't true and that are outdated and don't work. I think you're you're so frustrated with the church right now. What What more can you do for us? It's your blood. It's your word. It's your name. It's your church. Oh, God, what more could you do for us? Help us God to exploit and take advantage of the weapons and the tools that you have given us to do the job.
0: I'm not carrying any longer. I'm not waiting any longer. I am the man. I'm gonna be the man that you called me to be. I'm gonna be the man that I've always wanted to be, but as of yet have never been. I'm gonna be the woman that I've always wanted to
1: be, but as of yet, for whatever reason, I have never been. No more weakness. No more hobbies and habits. No more relationships that drag me down in the name of Jesus. Cleanse my life. Cleanse my mind. Cleanse my spirit. Dear God, help me to get rid of the baggage, the weight, not just sin, but the weight that has been besetting me and stopping me from becoming the vessel, the vessel of honor that you called me to be. Oh, the Lord right now, ladies and gentlemen, He will hear you the day you see him with your whole heart. Not half-hearted, not 60%, not three-quarters. Whole heart! Give him your whole heart. Are you willing to give him your girlfriend? Are you willing to give him your boyfriend? Are you willing to give him your job? Are you willing to give him your tomorrows? Are you willing to give him your failures? How about your successes? How about your goals? Your ambitions? Are you willing to put your life in his hands and say, keep what you want, discard what you choose?